Hello and welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is your host, Paul Arnold, and I'm joined with Ernest Watts and Travis Greer. And we're all heavy-hearted today, as most people know by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter accident today with his oldest daughter, uh, with seven other people in the hills of California. And we were all prepared to talk about sports and Super Bowl and the National Hockey League or the NBA, but this just takes precedent over all of that. Um, we're going to talk about Kobe, what kind of player he was, what kind of person he was, and um, when any time somebody dies this young in this type of setting, it just sort of uh, sends a shockwave, I think, through a lot of the nation of uh, taking our life for granted. So I'm going to start with Ernest Watts, who's been a fan of the NBA for a long time. I'm sure you've seen Kobe play in person. Is that true, Ernest? Four times. And one time you were supposed to go with me, you had to cancel out. And I and never got to see him in person. That was my loss there. So what was your impression? What was your first thought today, Ernest, when you heard he had died? I was stunned. I was watching the Pro Bowl when it came across. And it's, it's the effect on so many people. Again, for young people, he is what Michael Jordan and Larry Bird were for me. I think him and, to a lesser extent, Allen Iverson were the, was the, uh, the the icons that I tend to attract to. And the rarity and the extent that he played for one franchise for 20 years, which is almost untold of in, in the NBA. I know that he had Michael Jordan as, as you know, his standard bearer. And it, it's interesting to see the comments. It's fascinated that, that Magic, called him the greatest Laker of all time because I would have thought that would have been magic to a large extent. Mm. Uh, it, it's amazing that he is more respected, I think, than revered. I think he had that intensity to win. The differentiation with him was he would win at any cost, but he always thought the best the best option to win was him shooting. Right. Yeah, which yeah. which made him a little bit unbearable if you were a teammate at times, but the, I think everybody has come out today and respected his work ethic, his intensity, um, and his drive was just unbelievable. Travis Greer, you're of the generation that grew up with Kobe being great. What was your first thought? I did. Uh, as I've had time to collect my thoughts for this podcast, um, I, I was surprised and almost... Um, in unbelief at first is uh, shared amongst us through group text messages. TMZ sometimes releases stuff. You, you a little question mark in your mind just uh, on verification, but as the minutes and hours came by more news outlets came out about it, but unlike Ernest, I, I never have saw Kobe Bryant play, but I, I can remember as a young teenager playing Kobe Bryant on NBA live 2000, 2001, so on uh, the Lakers back in the, that, time frame was that was my go-to team and um i think as fans we lost a great entertainer an athlete who who modeled a lot of good characteristics in a player and some you know some can disagree some of his characteristics of playing the game but as fans we lost the entertainer but we had everything to gain of what he put on the court for 20 years and uh he entertained us he wowed us like that 81-point game, five championships. But more importantly, um, we yes, we had a loss, but more importantly, uh, he's got some family members and some children who, who lost a dad and uncle and so on today. So it's it's pretty sad uh, knowing the situation, so prayers lift for that family. Yeah, the initial reports were that his whole family or all his children were on that helicopter because it's very common, people have heard that, he traveled by helicopter quite a bit. He was on to his sports academy or center uh, with some other people. But just in case people forget, I mean, in this day and age, you know, as soon as you retire, it seems like people forget how great you are. He averaged 25 points. Um, he averaged five assists. Uh, he shot 44.7%. But it's all the uh, awards he won that can rival anybody, I think. Uh, 18 times an All-Star, five times NBA champ, one more than Shaq, and we could talk about that later. And Shaq came out 
with a tweet that said he was all tore up about it. And um, 12 times all defensive, um, four times uh, all-star MVP, uh, MVP of the league 2000-2008, two-time scoring championship. Um, and for some people, they would rate him in the top 10 of all NBA players. That's debatable. Ernest, where would you rate Kobe Bryant as all-time player? Outside the top 10, I mean, to the extent I don't think he made his team better at times. I think he needed to have someone. He always had to have someone else on the team. He couldn't win by himself. Let me throw two other numbers to you that they are fascinating. He won the slam dunk championship at age 18. Mm. He was the youngest all-star of all time, 18 years old. And uh, he scored 60 points in his last game. And he could have been a Charlotte Hornet. And do you want to talk about that part of his history? Yeah. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about the, the importance of high draft picks, he was the number 14 pick. Now, you got to realize at that time, guys who came straight to high school were generally big men. Okay. Uh, Kevin Garnett, guys like that. Jermaine O'Neal, usually big guys because you feel like you get them to fill out. Very few s- s- below 6'8. You know, Kobe was six seven, so he worked out for the Lakers, and his agent was Arm Tellum, who does not have the best reputation whatsoever. And Jerry West told Arm Tellum, "said Listen, we don't have a pick until seventeen, so refused to go to any other workouts." Well, they didn't. Well, the general manager at the Hornets at that time was Bob Bass. Bob Bass goes back to the ABA, very sharp guy, and Bob Bass loved what he saw in just. He, he recruited him in high school at Lower Merton High School in Philadelphia. Now, remember, Kobe comes from a heritage. His dad played for the 76ers. Jellybean Giant won a 76ers championship in 1980. Uh, he played in Italy, and that's why Kobe, from age 6 to 13, has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of speaks Italian, speaks Spanish. But so they, the Hornets draft him, okay? And it, Going back, you know, they'd asked Kobe not too long ago, would you have played with the Hornets? And he said, yeah, yeah. But Arm Tellum had the plan that, you know, we're going to get him to the Lakers. We're going to get him somewhere where he can he can recruit. So as much as Bob Bass, the general manager, loved him, the coach of the Hornets, Dave Cowens, did not want a high school kid. Mm-hmm. He thought his backcourt he had, which was Muggsy Bugs, Dale Curry, and Glenn Rice, were drastically superior. So he kept – he went behind Bob Bass's back, told the owner, George Shin, listen, you got to trade this kid or I'm never going to play him. He's going to sit to the bench. Mm-hmm. Well, the Hornets needed a center. They needed a center that did not play into the basket because they had Anthony Mason, Vladdy. who pretty much in a big body pass. So they traded for Vladi Divac. And not only did that uh, one-for-one trade got him Kobe, it freed up enough uh, uh, space uh, under the cap to sign Shaquille O'Neal as a free agent. Mm-hmm. So it all but could have been arm, much arm, different. Yeah. Could have been different. Arm Tellum said to his dying day, he said Kobe would have never played with the Hornets, but Kobe had. Kobe said, wherever I was drafted, I would have played. So the story's kind of changed in that respect. So for two weeks, Kobe was a Charlotte Hornet. Right. And in, Wow. So at this time, when somebody just dies, we're obviously not going to talk about bad stories about Kobe. But he wasn't. <laughs> he he was not a perfect guy. There's no doubt about it. He had his moments that he wasn't good with the press. But I would like to focus on that. He seemed to get a better awareness of who he was in the last five years. I think him getting um, out of playing helped him put a little perspective on it. Him getting involved in the entertainment world. He won an Oscar for his documentary. I think people saw his passion. He seemed more relatable. I think as he left the playing court. Do you got, do you agree with that, Travis? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that with that pressure of the court and the pr- media, the press kind of peeling back the onion of, of who truly a man is. And I, I agree with you, Paul. I mean, people die every day, you know, and when one is passing, you got to remember that that person is a, is a family member to somebody. And he, he was a somebody. And, uh, that's the time you don't look at their faults. Cause we all do have faults. And, um, uh, I really enjoy, uh, I appreciate this podcast. I really do. And hearing all these 
historical and uh, factual things, Ernest. I got my fact checker going on for sure uh, on you. Uh, but uh, it's good to hear that history. I didn't know that about Mr. Mr. Bryant, that he was uh, a hornet for a couple of weeks. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. What was that your question, Paul? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. he's done some things that uh, he had to grow up. I mean, how young was he when he went in? Even though he was physically ready, I wonder how ready he really was. And Ernest, do you think he always played with a chip on his shoulder that he wanted to be just like Mike? Well, I think that was his idol. He wanted to mimic it. He even tried to talk with him. He heard the speech patterns, very similar to Michael Jordan. And I think we need to realize, again, he spent age 8 till age 14 in Italy. So he was not raised in, in the normal society that we're used to. He was the son of an NBA player. And I think he was 18 when he came to the NBA, incredibly, incredibly immature. And at those times, at age 18, he couldn't go to the bars with his teammates after the game. Right. He had to go back to a lonely room by himself, 18 years. He was incredibly mature. And I don't think he built up the social skills, again, you know, that were needed to be an NBA. And the NBA was so much different than when he came in. You didn't have concerned coaches and, and the uh, ability of, of psychiatrists and people in every team to help you out. And I think if he was self-serving, if he was a little bit of a ball hog the first 10 years of his playing, I think that had a lot to do with that. He, he, he could not trust other people because he was never in an environment where he was part of a team. Mm. Even in high school at Lower Merton, he was the star. They sold out the gym because of him. Right. And I think that inhibited his, his development. I think you're right. I think the latter part of his career and his life that he showed the maturity. And I think becoming a parent helped also. Right. That, that, tends, yeah. that makes us all much more mature. Though my two, sons, Man, to me, are, my two sons would argue against <laughs> that, but that's another matter. Go ahead, Travis. To me, he's more comparable to he's more comparable to me, uh, uh, Mr. Kobe Bryant, to LeBron James as far as coming straight out of high school, the maturity level uh, and immaturity level at times. I mean, he had to have a chip on his turtle part because he was he was coming uh, and stepping out in faith. You think about it, coming straight from high school, he had to prove his point. He had to, you know, lay the groundwork, be the ball hog, score the points, and and. He created himself. He had a natural a talent, but he he had to establish himself. And, but I think uh, I think a to me, I hear there, that all the time. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Travis. Yeah, I didn't mean to step on you, but I think one difference there is LeBron still has the same crew that he hung with in high school. Mm. A lot of his entourage is his high school teammates. For good or for bad, right? Yeah, for good or bad. Mm -hmm. Kobe has never had an entourage. Yeah. Have you ever seen a group of people around Kobe? No. Kobe has always been, if if he's been the lone gunfighter. The lone ranger. Yeah, the lone ranger out by himself. I mean, you never see him with a group. He, uh, and, but it was fascinating to hear. Uh, I heard uh, Shaw, uh, one of his former teammates today, talking about how rich his environment was. And, and he has an Academy Award for an animated video that he produced with Gravity Films, which is his production company. He had a children's book that he put out. He he was much more than a basketball player, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't he didn't have that that crew or that entourage or that group. And I think really a lot of that has to do with being raised as a child in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, I have mm -hmm. a question for you with Kobe. Two of his biggest accomplishments were scoring well, two times where he scored a lot of points. What is more impressive? In 2006, he scored 81 points against Toronto. Or in 2007, he scored, let me get this right, four consecutive games with 50 or more points. So either one game with 81 points or four straight games with more than 50 points. Travis, what do you think? Uh, it's... It's a that eighty-one point game. That's that's a one-time like almost lottery type thing. I would say that fifty point four consecutive game that that has a lot to do with with stamina and consistency and just uh, I, I can't imagine what that took 
as far as his physical effort to, to, to do that and his teammates around him. Um, that's very impressive. And that's a, a new thing that I learned uh, this evening as well. That's very impressive. In the fifth I game, wonder, he scored 43 points. Ernest, yeah. So, uh, yeah. 43. Wow. Has that ever been done before? And I wonder who, who they played if that took into account with that four consecutive streak. I can tell there. you who he played, and then I'll let Ernest give his answer. So Kobe Bryant, 2007, I don't think it was a very good team. He was carrying them, but he scored 65 points against the Trailblazers, 50 against the Timberwolves, Minnesota, 60 against Memphis, and then 50 at New Orleans, and then he had 43 against Golden State. So, Ernest, what do you think? What is more impressive? What was the record of those four games? Did he win them all four? (laughs) It does not say. I'm just looking at an article from the Los Angeles Times about his top ten moments in his career so he didn't he didn't win all four i know that already i was setting you up uh the the 50 points again you can have that hot game i mean there's always uh uh the young guy for and he escapes my name plays for phoenix the guard he scored no 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 that's that's the portrait trailblazers uh but he scored 72 years ago westbrook no, 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 for the Suns guard, and it'll come to me in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but he scored 70 against the Hornets. Devin Booker. Devin Booker scored 70 against the Hornets. So, any, you know, NBA players, if you give them enough shots, they're going to win. I think Travis is correct to have the endurance to do that three times, to- four times. I think that's more impressive in that extent. Mm-hmm. I think the impressive part is, to me, is the five championships, particularly two without Shaq, you know, Paul Gasol's good. Yeah. But, but uh, the fact that he won a championship with Paul Gasol being the second best team, that's the most impressive thing that I think he could do. Well, we often forget he played on two gold medal teams in the Olympics and he had to get along with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul. And, um, and at that time, Spain was starting to get to be a better team. And then probably his toughest moment physically is when he tore his Achilles tendon and still went out and made two free throws to help win a, a game. And I can't imagine just walking or even standing with a, a torn Achilles tendon. So, well, all right, I will go over to Travis. Any final thoughts about Kobe Bryant before we move on to some other sports tonight, Travis? Mm. Uh, no, uh, I think I've said what I need to say, but uh, just – enjoy your family, uh, hug them close, hug them tight and uh, enjoy what you have. Uh, you just never know when your time is up or when that idled athlete of yours, you know, or whoever that may be, just take each day as it is, enjoy it. And, uh, very appreciative of the, the entertainment and the joy that, uh, each and every athlete in our world today gives us, uh, of those sitting on the couch cheering for them. So love you family. You never yeah. know. Very true. Ernest? There's a mixture of emotions. I mean, one is is I feel regret in the fact that him and Shaq could not get along. But for three years, they were just a, you know, two alpha males that just could turn it on. And, and you know, if, if, if somehow, and, and no one but Phil Jackson could at least get them on the court together, if they had learned to, to broker a piece I think the Lakers of the late 90s, early 2000s could have been the New England Patriots of, of the NBA. So I, I'm regretful to that extent that that kind of robbed us from something. Uh, always the, the heartache of, of a young person snatched before their time. I think the only thing that's really even comparable to this in my lifetime was uh, you know two of them, and they were both coming to the world of racing, which is more Travis's field of expertise. Was of course mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he died, mm-hmm. definitely, and and Davy Allison, who also died of a of a helicopter accident, who was a, a dominant racer in the late eighties, in that extent. But it, it, there's a loss, but the same extent, he's one of the probably the one person that could match for the drive to win that Michael Jordan had that indomitable will to win. I don't care if it was a December game against the Memphis Grizzlies. He gave effort every night 
And one of the criticisms of the NBA has been my entire life is that guys take nights off. And even now they call that, uh, you know, trying to save the body in that respect. Or, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, when he stepped on the court, gave 110% every time. There was never a game that he to- coasted. And no, he may not have been a top 10 player, but he's a Hall of Famer, and he'll go in next September. So, and anytime you see a young life snuffed out, and anytime you see a family fractured, because his daughter had that love of basketball that he did. She was on an AAU team, and her dream was to play for the University of Connecticut. So you have a fractured family. Uh, he's not the most lovable guy in the world, but he gave you your dollar's worth. And I know the four times that I saw, it's fascinating, the first time I saw him play was his rookie year. And he was 0 for 10 and took a three-pointer. It could have won the game for the Lakers at the very end and airballed it, but had no regrets. Mm. And, and again, he gave effort every night. So he was a competitor. He was a Hall of Famer. And by everything I read and hear, he was a good father. Yeah, Ernest, oh, yeah. I agree with what you said totally. And you sort of hit on a, a great comparison in a way, even though they're different sports. Dale Earnhardt was such an intense competitor in everything he did, and it didn't win him any friends. Uh, and he was willing to do that intensity for his son to help him win the Daytona. I don't think he realized what was going to happen. And I think that love for his family was there, even though other people didn't love Dale Earnhardt. And I think that's Kobe is very similar, that same intense passion. And so definitely need to pray for Kobe's uh, widow and the other kids. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I thought about it when I heard this, like, how would you even cope? Would you just even shut down? And I think, um, you know, when you're grieving, uh, you need a lot of help. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to run to help to them now and hopefully in the next year. So I don't know if there's any good transition away from this story. So we're just going to go on to the biggest story for next week, which will be the Super Bowl. And today we saw part of a Pro Bowl, which was a sort of a typical Pro Bowl, and except for they tried out a new rule that um, they may introduce to the NFL. And if you weren't watching the Pro Bowl, the story is this, that they're trying to get rid of onside kicks to reduce injuries in, in football and NFL. And so their theory is that if they give the team that wants to do an onside kick the ball on their own 25 and give them a 4th and 15 scenario. If they make the 15 yards, they keep the ball and they keep going. If they don't make the 15, the other team gets the ball back and they can run out the clock. Uh, They tried it today at the Pro Bowl. Kirk Cousins didn't handle it so well and threw a bomb that failed. So, Ernest, what do you think of this possible option for future NFL games? First of all, it's not... Excuse me. First of all, it's not new... The Alliance of American Football had this last year. Oh, wow. You, <laughs> how many people would know that, Ernest? Uh, only me. I was the only one obviously watching those I games. I forgot the name of that. We talked about that league a lot last year, hoping it would make it, but it didn't. Uh, no, it didn't. But they, yeah, they and I actually saw it four times. And one game was successful. They were able to come back and win the game. I, I, I'm old. I don't like gimmicks. I mean, I'd rather be fourth and 10, you know, put a little bit more on the some defense. I, you know, I, they used to have a rule, the old hula bowl, that the team in the lead would always uh, have to kick off no matter what after a score, which is just as bad. I, I think it's a little too gimmicky. It is interesting that a lot of the things the NFL we think have always been there all came from other leagues. The names on the back of the uniform, two-point conversion, those all came from the AFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, The video replay, that came from the USFL. So the NFL has shown a past history which they have no problem pilfering ideas from these leagues. Not pilfering, just going with a better practice, better for everybody. Um, Travis? The XFL better copyright any ideas they have. That's all I'm saying. Oh, gosh. Gosh. Travis, Hmm. do you think this is a good idea (laughs) to give a team the ball on the 25 and then they can take a chance? They can even throw a bomb pass and score and win the game. I I, I, I agree with Ernest on one aspect. If this rule does finally get 
adopted by the NFL. I think that Hula rule is I think you called it Ernest. The, the I don't think the ball. leading team should be able to take advantage and do that. The Hula Bowl, <laughs> the Hula game. But I agree they should have that caveat there just so it's not an option any time to any team. I think if it's a rule that's going to make it the game a little bit safer and a little bit more entertaining, I, I'm all for it. Um, I, I think I can compare it to almost like um, NHL sh- the shootout, you know, sudden death, you know, uh, if it kind of gets fans a little bit maybe on the edge of their seats, a little bit more exciting because how what's the percentage of how successful an onside kicks are in earnest? I know you probably know. You ready? It, so. You ready? Anyway. Yes. Yes. What is it, Ernest? It's 6%. And that's because the NFL passed a rule two years ago in which yes. five guys have to be on both sides of the kicker. You can't overload one side. You can't like right. put nine guys on one side and then kick it over there where you're actually outnumbering the guys on the front line of the receiving. And that's lowered yeah. it to 6%. I recall that. So maybe now what we can look at statistically to make this decision, if there's more statistical chance of somebody converting that fourth than what would you say 20 25 i believe yeah 25? yeah i would make it a little bit more realistic like ernest said and make it a little more uh, on edge uh maybe 10 15 yards but i think if it's going to make it safer more entertaining i think it's a good a good choice for the nfl i i have an advice for the team that wants to do that score more points so you're not behind <laughs> hey, do, that's the good. Do something. I think I've first, heard a coach say that or a few times. Yeah, yeah. Do something more in the first forty minutes. You know this smacks of when I was teaching at a community college, kids would come up the last week of class. What were you teaching at community college? I taught psychology, sociology, marriage, and the family. Ah, that's why you and use reverse psychology. So careers often. in human service, but kids would come up the last week. In, in the semester and they've got like a 60 gray average or a 50 and they go, can I take extra credit? No, do something the first 15 weeks mean of the class. Professor okay? Watts, mean. You're just no, there mean. is no extra credit. Do There's your no crying job. in baseball. There's no There's extra no credit. There's no crying in baseball. I, I, don't, I don't like these type of gimmicks. There, there are some that I do like uh oh, there's some well, things all right well let's move on to the super bowl now we've we've talked about this one long enough probably so um oh, yeah. the super bowl is the meat of what we were going to talk about tonight and it's a week away um and i've been watching the points on this and even las <clears throat> vegas is being concerned about this is a pretty even match um i said last week that i think it really comes down to whether kansas city's um, defense, uh, I mean, the San Francisco defense can handle the uh, 49ers defense handle the Kansas City offense. But, uh, Travis, what do you think is the key of this game? The key to this game for Kansas City to win, hinting my uh, prediction, um, the key to this game, I believe, is, uh, is defense. It's defense, defense. 49ers have a, a reputable, strong defense for sure Kansas City a little bit stronger offense um, I believe on the edge about it, it start out strong stay ahead with the lead manage the clock as Ernest has alluded to and uh, as far as clock management and Nate as well with uh, Mr. Reed uh, I think Kansas City has a good chance but I'm almost wondering with the trend over this playoff period that uh, with uh, with the Kansas City hey they've been behind they fought their way back uh uh, unrelentlessly and and won the game. I'm I'm kind of undecided. So I think it's definitely going to come down to uh, defensive matchup, and I'm kind of hesitant to, to see if it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I know we've had Super Bowls in the past where it's not been very offensive driven, and it's been kind of a dull Super Bowl. So we'll we'll see what we get. And this Super Bowl, I say Super Bowl season is almost like Christmas. You get to play off for several weeks, and you have the kind of dull. Um, Pro Bowl, it's, it's almost like Christmas. You know, you, you know it's coming, but it takes a whole two weeks to get here. You're so super excited, and you just have to wait. And it's it's coming one week away. We're we're excited. So you open about up it. the presidents, not what you hope for. Like I'm hoping for a high scoring, really entertaining game. And Travis, yes. you're saying it may not be so. Yes. Yes. Ernest, here's your time, man. What do you think? 
Okay, when the 49ers are on offense, it's got to be imperative for them to be able to chew up the clock. That means run the ball. And they have a run zone run scheme. So Chris Jones, defensive tackle, if he is healthy, remember now he set out the first playoff game. He has a leg injury. But if he is healthy, he's the type of three-technique defensive tackle who can disrupt that zone running game. He can blow it up inside. He can negate the running attack and then make Garofalo have to win the game. And I have my doubts if he can win the game, even with the great tight end that he has. When Kansas City has the ball, San Francisco plays a zone defense and they get primarily pressure from their front four. If the defensive ends can keep Mahomes in the pocket, keep him from getting outside. Well, if they can do that, if they can get enough pressure on him, that he does not have time to improvise because they play a zone defense. And Sherman's a great corner, but he has played zone most of his career. And any zone will break down if the quarterback has time to throw. What I really like about the receiving core for the Chiefs is their ability to improvise. When they see Mahomes is rolling out, they will move to open areas in the zone and present themselves for catching. Kelsey is fantastic at that. Kelsey almost plays like a an old-time center in basketball in that he uses his body to position himself. He uses his now, butt, huh? He, he, uses his, he uses his glutamus maximus to the maximus. <laughs> uh, and, and again, the, the, the whole receiving core is now If they can get Williams and they can pass on him and get him outside on the linebacker one-on-one, they should be able to score. But the interesting factor is – how effective is the running attack for the 49ers? Because that chews up time that puts pressure on Mahomes. And they don't have I Kevin have, Coleman, probably. I mean, yeah, he might dress, but he's not going to run. Yeah, I don't think Coleman's going to be effective. But, you know, they're blocking their front five has been so effective. It really doesn't matter because you've had four running backs run for the, at least 80 yards in a game for that team. So it's whoever gets the ball, their fullback is just truly amazing. Uh, at a time when most teams don't have a fullback anymore. So, Ernest, you picking but the Chiefs then? Is that I'm what I hear? I'm still going with the Chiefs. I'm still going By with the what, Chiefs. By how much? You know, we ever t- we always expect that glorious 47 to 50 game. <laughs> and somehow I think it'll be a 10-point victory. 31-21? 31-21 sounds good. That's where I was headed towards. Mm-hmm. So great minds think alike here, I think. Um, of course, of course. So do you, what do you think will be the talk of the Super Bowl besides the game, Travis? Because every year you have commercials you can talk about. You can talk about the halftime performance. You can talk about a bad call. You can talk about a celebrity. Do you think it's going to be Kobe Bryant maybe being honored at the Super Bowl? I, I have a sense we're going to get a little of that. But, Travis, what do you think might be the second story besides the game hmm that's a good point that you brought up paul i wonder if how uh, as i remember i think it was last year's super bowl they some somehow worked in uh spongebob's uh super bowl like something into the musical at halftime show i wonder with uh with maybe this year's super bowl halftime show which is hmm jennifer lopez uh, jennifer lopez shakira or whatever shakira so not so impressive, but I wonder if to spice things up with the week leading up to it, that they'll throw in uh, some kind of tribute to uh, Mr. Kobe there. Um, but other than that, uh, any other highlight that's going to come out of it? Uh, no, I can't, I can't well, think of it. I remember the, the streaking back in the seventies, there was a stretch where people would dare to run with no clothes out on the field. And they have that occasionally, over in England still. So, Ernest, what do you yeah. think? What do you I'm think gonna, would be the second? I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Okay. I'm gonna say this. I got something else. I think that there's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a gameplay call with this new rule in place with the pass interference. Okay. They're finally and actually, you know, they they blew it on the what Saints again this <laughs> postseason. Maybe yeah. I think it's gonna come down to the wire. And they're going to have some sort of conflict with pass interference. They're going to interview it, interview it. They're going to review it and overturn it. And that's, that's going to be the talk of uh, the Super Bowl because ah. it's going to make an outcome. That's that's a prediction there. Wow. So The booth is going to make the <laughs> deciding call. Ernest, do you agree? Yes. Very similar to what Travis has said. I think the way 
how what 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 kind of uh, to the extent they will interpret it, because Frisco will want to be very physical in the line of scrimmage. They're going to want to beat up the wide receivers, and at the same time, Kansas City is going to want the ability to extract uh, defensive pass interference penalties. So I think how the officials interpret pass interference offensively and mm-hmm. defensively because Kansas City has been accused of using picks and every team runs picks offensively. I mean, offensively, it, there is defense pass interference, there is holding, and there is offensive pass interference on every passing play in the NFL. But it's, it's again, it's the interpretation of it that makes the difference. So I think who the officials are will go a long way because Kansas City is such a passing team. And because Frisco is a team that is very, very physical, particularly with the corners and the safety. That Sherman. Will, yeah, that's what people <laughs> will talk about after this game. They're going to say, man, the officials stuck the flag in the back pockets or they really were on the wits. Mm. So I think if, that's what that's what we'll be talking about Monday after the Super Probably, but I always wonder who's going to be the most valuable player, and it's usually the quarterback. So, guys, if it's not Mahomes or Garoppolo, who do you think could be the most valuable player of this game? And I'm thinking if one defensive player had two picks, that's been done in Super Bowls. He's gotten the most valuable player. Um, if one of the running backs just goes up for four touchdowns like he did in – 49ers back, I forgot his name, starts with the M, did in the uh, division, the um, NFC championship game. So, Travis, any idea if, if it's not a quarterback, who it might be? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a, a similar guy with a, a similar name. I think Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Travis. Uh, I've always wanted to receive an MVP. Yeah, nice or name. At least somebody yeah. honor my name. <laughs> nice name. It, w- it would be great to see uh, uh, him do that. I think it's a good uh, it's a good matchup with the tight ends, as Ernest was alluding to, and just I think that's where your your grinding on offense is going to be down the field with those just those tight ends. Both of those guys are just hard nosed players who can block, catch the ball, run some good routes. So it, I think it come, could come down to him. I've heard a lot about him. Right. Ernest, what's your thought? For the Chiefs, even though I don't agree with what some things he's done personally, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. fastest man on the field. He is the type that could really have a big game. For the 49ers, I mean, you know, obviously George Kittle is one that jumps at your mind. Mm-hmm. Nick Bosa has been so electric all year long. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and and the uh, running back you were thinking is Raheem Mosert. Yes. Was the running back uh, earlier you were speaking about. Bosa or, uh, again, you know, you want to say Kittle, that's that's a big choice. But, but, again, I'll have to go with Bosa. I think Bosa could have a game where if he gets multiple sacks or pressure, he, he could be a game changer. That's essentially what you're looking for in MVP. It's interesting. He's, go ahead. He's a rookie, right? Rookie. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was uh, uh, yeah. number two. Call somebody from Ohio State a rookie. Yeah, yeah, go with that. <laughs> right, true. But what what are the chances? And has it ever happened before? I wonder. Uh, hint, Ernest, if 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 a Super Bowl MVP has ever been a, a rookie on defense, that that whole that whole situation. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, rookie, I can't. Be, think of I can't think of I mean, one either. Um, when the Steelers played the Cowboys, the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, their defensive back, I think it was Woodson, or was it? Um, Larry Brown. Larry Brown, excuse me. Brown got MVP just sort of by default because nobody really played great on the offense either side, but those two picks were key. Um, so I have another key question for you guys. Really important question. I hope you studied up. What is your favorite food to eat during the Super Bowl? Travis? My favorite food to eat. I tell you what, I know it's a common staple, uh, pretty much year round at everybody's table. But I've got to have some good pizza. I love, I love some good pizza. Thin crust, and a good thin crust uh, toppings. What? Uh, it, it really, it really depends on my mood and the <laughs> maker of the pizza. I love a good crispy 
um, thin crust with uh-huh. uh, with all kind of toppings on it, but it's got to be crispy. It can't be floppy if it's if it's thin. And uh, extra sauce all the time. Extra sauce. I love the pizza, but also obviously pizza is my number one. And the dip because that's something you can nibble on all four quarters. There so. you go. Ernest, I think you like nacho. hamburgers, don't you? Hamburgers and nachos. Yeah, I knew it was a hamburger. So hamburger a five with what guys on it? Hamburger, right, Ernest? Yeah, yeah. Oh, five five guys French fries. My gracious. That's a lot of grease, boy. That's, yeah, that's they a three do cups of AC. Right? Yes. <laughs> well, the closest one I have is 60 miles away. So, Have you guys ever <laughs> tried one of these fake Whoppers, the Impossible Burgers? Have you tried those? Why? Is all the meat in the world died? I don't know, but they keep on saying they taste the same. So out of curiosity, I want to try one. And then I said, no. Why do I want to pay for fake meat? I, mm. I can't, and it costs more. Why would I want to pay more? Does for, it actually cost something? more? Why do you, yes, yes, they do. Why do you want to buy something that tastes almost like something <laughs> when you can have? I mean, why would you go to a Beatles uh, imposter tribute band? band. Tribute yeah. band. You can see, well, you can't see the real Beatles, only two of them. But again, why would you go to, uh, no, no, give me the real meat. I mean, yeah. there has been no evidence that the meat substitutes are any way healthier than meat. There's no research that says whatsoever. Burger King put so much additive to their meat. It doesn't matter what you, either the fake or the real meat. It's still too and much that's additive. It. If you go part your arteries, have something at least is delicious. That's what I say. So you're that's doing, right. All right. So for me, wings. I love wings when they're done crispy and then tossed in barbecue sauce. Buffalo Wild Wings is about one of the best because they do so many. They usually come out nice and crispy. I hate a, a soggy wing. I try once in a while to buy those freezer wings that you can get from Tyson and the grocery store and put them in my oven. It's just not it. I just don't like them that much. But really nice wings is, is a good one. And I agree, pizza is so good to order a fresh pizza. And I just like a regular pizza with cheese, maybe a little bacon, maybe mushrooms, but... Oh, that tastes so good. And uh, I like watching the commercials. But do you guys get old man like me? Like, man, I don't want to be in a big party on a Sunday night. Like, by the time that thing gets over, I'm so tired and not social. I'm like, okay, the first <laughs> half is good. But the second half, I'm like, I like you all in the room, but I'm winding down here, you know? So Even if it's a close game, if it's a blowout, I can understand. Get out of here. Get yeah, out of here. maybe 10 years ago I would have been that. But now I'm such an old fired i just you know by the time it hits 9 30 i'm like all right i'm about done so it depends if i have a rooting interest in the game if i have a rooting interest and things don't go well i'm not a good host <laughs> i'll just say it to how you how do you tell way. people to leave do you just tell them to leave no usually i i don't i i never attend these things at my house i go to someone else's house so i have the option to leave <laughs> ah the smart man yes yes and that way i haven't <laughs> got to clean up afterwards either that's right and I don't need the volume play. And, you know, there have been instances where I've been in other people's houses or traveling and I have the volume turned down. And this is not coming out arrogantly, but I know enough about football that I don't need the. You don't need Joe Buck and Troy Aikman telling you what's going on. I might need Troy. I don't need Joe Buck. I really don't. Most of the announcers I find tedious, I find them repeating the same pablum and now those that try to get a little cute uh, i have no use for it so i know enough about football and again that's going to sound very arrogant i don't really mean it it's just because i'm 63 years old that i can see on the field i know if an offensive line is back on their back feet it's going to be either a draw play or a running play or if i know if they're trying to put a guy in motion mm-hmm. they're trying to get numbers to one side for a uh for a zone run play. I mean, I know enough about football that I don't get anything from the announcers. Well, I know enough about time that we have time for one more segment of our podcast. And I know (laughs) that you guys went to a hockey game and I'm going to give you guys time to talk about who you went to see, who did they play? uh, Did you see any fights break out? Uh, So Travis, did you go see a hockey game? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, me and Ernest went went to go see the Winnipeg Jets play at the, the Carolina Hurricanes. It was a a joy to share uh, 
a seat, a very tight seat, right, Ernest? Yes. And rub elbows with Ernest and his brothers and uh, his son. We enjoyed that. We did to get to see a very good game. It would come out, They came out strong. It was like pretty much, I believe, three to one in the first period. I may be mistaken, but uh, one very good fight, which I got to come home and watch a little bit closer in person to see exactly how it happened. But uh, in the third period with a couple minutes left, I don't remember the names. Pesci, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes guy. Joe Pesci? Uh, Joe Pesci. No, not, not, not the Academy Award supporting <laughs> actor <laughs> nomination for the Irishman. Not that one. Oh, okay. Uh, but what happened is Pesci got uh, knocked down from the back in front of the goalie. Uh-oh. Uh, goal- like it, uh, Mrazik. Mrazik pr- took his goalie stick, tripped up uh, the Winnipeg guy. He didn't like that. He got mad and fell down and started pitching a fit. Then Pesci come back and just started wailing on, you know, they just started going at it. But I didn't realize Pesci or the, the goalie had tripped uh, the Winnipeg Jets guy in retaliation, that, which caused the fight. So that was that was interesting. But o- overall, very good game. Um what else stood out to me? Oh, yeah, we were hoping and praying for a hat trick. We got to talking about that. Uh, uh, Mr. Williams, his second game back, we was hoping he would get a hat trick. Would you he have came thrown out your two hat? Goals. Uh, I don't think it would have made it to the <laughs> ice rink. We were pretty up, pretty high up, but uh, I would have maybe thrown it. I don't know. Ernest didn't have a hat. What do you yes, think, Yes, I, I was up my chapeau for that time. Uh, it's fascinating. You know, I had to give Travis a little history that – at one time, this was a big rivalry because the Winnipeg Jets used to be the Atlanta Thrashers, which was the big rival between Carolina. Physically, it was the closest team. And he did not uh, give him a little history that that was Atlanta's second team, the Flames back in the 70s and 80s. But uh, Winnipeg's had a pretty rough year. They're one of the bigger disappointments along with Nashville and, and, and uh, New Jersey to a large extent, but the, the Hurricanes are, were, they're missing their best player, uh, Dougie Hamilton, who had a leg injury, who was a plus 30 and plus and minus. It's probably the best defenseman in the NHL right now. And Justin Williams coming back at age 38, uh, kind of a shot in the arm in the middle of the season. But uh, Travis also got to see something which is indicative of what the Hurricanes do when they win is the celebration uh, they have after the game, which they call the Storm Surge. And for this game, they played dodgeball. And as we all know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. A <laughs> uh, little shout out to Patches O'Houlihan if you've seen that cinematic great movie, Dodgeball. Wow, it's we're fun. going deep now, folks. Deep, yes, deep, yes, deep. very deep. All right, well, I'm glad you guys had a good time out. You didn't get arrested. You didn't throw any food or beer on the on the ice or drinks or anything like that. What time did you get home from this big night out? Uh, I, I had a chauffeur. Ernest chauffeured me back to my hotel room, and he, he huffed it all the way back to Richmond, uh, Richmond where he lives. And uh, then probably the next day, he had to get up and go to work. And uh, if, if, if there was a hat trick and Ernest wasn't wearing a hat, I wanted to point this out. He's the man who's got hats to throw, but he, he didn't he didn't even wear a hat. So <laughs> he doesn't that like man to give away so many any hats. hats. Not gonna risk that. No, not gonna risk no. that. I Ernest, what time not, did you get home? I got home at twelve thirty. Uh, there's a little town here at the county line where we ran into a multiple accident, and, and of course lives were lost. So mm. uh, not to make a lot of but I had to sit for an hour. Yeah. So generally it took me three hours to make what was a 90 minute trip. So, yeah. uh, of course, when you're sitting there, you have to control your emotions and say a silent prayer for those in an accident, realize your, your inconvenience. Uh, yeah, definitely. Nothing to do with whatever those people have been caught. In. And yeah. by the grace of God, uh, I, I told Travis the next day, cause he's worried about how late I got. I said, well, you, you know, if I hadn't take you home, for all we know, I could have been involved in well, that accident. Yeah, that makes you think twice. Yep. Well, yep. We're going to wrap it up by giving these two guys their final minute. And, uh, Ernest, I'll start with you and give Travis a little time to think what he wants to say. So, Ernest, what's your final minute for today? Okay, a little levity. And we certainly need it after today. Some levity. Uh, there was a man in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, who was arrested today because the streets are iced over and he pulled over and put his speakers 
on top of his car and started playing the theme to Benny Hill. You know, the and he's actually arrested as a public nuisance. And his excuse was it was such a dull, dark time of the year. Stir he crazy. thought everyone would get a laugh at it. <laughs> so hey, salute. <laughs> and then he could freeze his buns down family. at the jail. Yes. Now he's at the jail. But hey, I like where his heart was. I really do. <laughs> All right. The, the police didn't like the where the rest of his was. So all right, Travis, I don't know how you follow that, but do you have a final minute of talk? I do. I have a, a short saying that is on the kids, that that saying is on a kid's bathroom wall. I kind of tell you what the Greer household has been dealing with this weekend. Wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. The flu <laughs> bug has hit our household uh, this week. I, I, I wasn't tested positive for it, but I had all the like symptoms and I'm feeling much better today. And uh, so is the family. But uh, just a, a health message brought to you by Greer Family Goat. Uh, be sure to wash your hands. Get get your flu vaccination if you haven't done so already. And um, one thing that is a blessing that came out of this was I took time to rest, slow down, uh, play some games with my kids, watch a bunch of movies, and just enjoy some uh, sick time with my family. Uh, so, uh, which we know Mr. Kobe won't be able to do that anymore yeah. but uh just just mm. take it take look at look for the blessings and everything and right. uh, uh I, I appreciate this podcast and I, i've enjoyed talking to you guys tonight well thanks travis my last minute is sort of piggybacked on what my son did yesterday um throughout the years that my son was growing up we would try to go to sporting events and about three weeks ago we went to notre dame to see game and it was fun and so yesterday um, we watched the two youngest granddaughters, and he took his oldest uh, daughter to a women's basketball game, a college women's basketball game, Eastern Michigan versus Bowling Green. And you may think, what's the big deal of that? Well, it's not a big deal to somebody like us, but to a six-year-old, it's a big deal when the cheerleaders pay attention to you and let you cheer with them, that the you get free pizza and a T-shirt, and you take along your best friend to do that, and your parents are happy, and you're happy, and you have some time just with you and your parents and no little sisters hanging around. And my son's done that this year and last year with their oldest, and they're making great memories and having fun. And sometimes smaller is better. He said there was about 400 people there in about an 8,000-seat auditorium, but they got a lot of attention on it. And I think our young, our oldest granddaughter is learning to love sports and love going with her dad and mom, which is awesome. So for Ernest Watts and Travis Greer, thank you for listening to Part of the Confusion, and we'll see you later. Have a good night. <laughs>